This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, welcome to this virtual qualification on Saturday, October 16th, 2021. I am a food addict from Massachusetts and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. After a moment of silence, I will open with a serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to whoever anybody is in any part of the country. I'm really grateful to be here today and have the privilege to share my qualification and uh, with all of you, uh, how I qualify to be a food addict in this program. I uh, have been in this program for a long time. I've re recently been acknowledging to myself that I've been here for half my life, which is just outrageous to me. I came in when I was in my 20s and at that time, wasn't sure that there was much of a life in front of me. I had just a hard time envisioning there being a future for me. I, I had decided to adopt the belief that I wasn't uh, smart enough, I wasn't pretty enough, and I just really didn't have much to offer this world. And I was certain that it had to do with the fact that I uh, could not stop eating and I could not control the way that I ate. I did not know that I had a problem with food. I did not know that I uh, was a food addict. I just thought that I had uh, a character issue that, it, that, you know, the fact that I couldn't control my weight, that I couldn't stay on a diet, that I couldn't not throw up after a binge when that was the last thing in the world that I wanted to be doing, uh, must say something about me as an individual. And I had decided to believe that about myself and I had a just terrific, terrific self-doubt, self-hatred. Uh, I, I did not come into this uh, program with a, a long resume of accomplishments. I was an individual who just simply was trying to get by and I have been reflecting lately because uh, having come through uh, a, a year, you know, and a half of this um, being, uh, you know, during COVID and, and the, the trouble it's caused so many people. And there's been so much concern in, as in the parent community. I have a 13 and a 15 year old son as a complete gift of this program. And so many parents are so worried about their kids in high school and what are they going to learn and how are they going to learn this way or that way. And I, so many times I just thought, I just literally like, I don't even remember high school. I don't know if I learned a thing. All I did was try to survive because this disease had me by the throat. And so I, I wasn't that worried because I thought as long as they're showing up and you know are able to wake up in the morning and get dressed and go to school, I think it's gonna be okay. And uh, I'm just grateful for the understanding that this program has brought me over the years. I. My highest weight 
was 100, about 190 pounds. I always said 188, but I figure I can just round up anymore to 190. I was pretty convinced I wasn't, um, I didn't have a, a, a enough weight on my body initially to qualify here as a food addict. I always thought I didn't have enough. And I remember I walked out of a room once and after a qualification and after sending my pictures around and this individual said to me, oh, don't worry, you were plenty fat. And uh, at, the, at the time that word fat was like, kind of um, a shocking word to use. And it was the first time in my life in a recovery program that I took it and thought, I love how we speak the truth here. I, not only was I 190 pounds, but I was also bulimic. I had been bulimic since I was 15 years old and I was a, a binger and a purger. And I know that if I hadn't been for bulimia, I would have been far, far heavier. I was a, a really, really, um, gutter, gutter food uh, addict. I, I had gone through periods of controlling my weight, of dieting. Um, it wasn't until really the last several years of my addiction, of being fu fully in addiction, that I was binging and purging on a daily basis. It was more of a control mechanism for a long time. But I really identified with the individuals who came into program over 300 pounds. I knew that that would be me if I had not been using bulimia. I knew it 100%. And so I, you know, I, I came from a, a, a really, frankly, uh, a family that uh, loved me uh, and cared for me and wanted nothing more than uh, for, for me to, to live to my potential. Uh, I had uh, two parents. I had come from a his, hers, and mine family. I never have met my biological father. He suffered from heroin addiction and my mother, left him early in my, my young life and never turned back. And I, it wasn't until about four years ago, I discovered that uh, part of my life, which is another gift of recovery. But I was raised by an individual who loved me deeply and adopted me when I was seven. And both my parents were very driven, very capable. Um, probably they would both agree that my, at least my father would agree that he, he, that he's an alcoholic, but he is completely high functioning. Uh, and has been able to um, maneuver through his life and, and live a very full life. My mother, um, you know, I has a size, is a size six to a size 16. She's either going up or she's going down. Um, and dieting was a very, very normal thing in my home. Very normal. It was what we did, you know, dieting was, was especially what my mother did. And again, my mother too, very, very driven woman. Um, I feel like anything my parents really want to do, they were able to do. Neither of them were college educated, but they both worked very hard and they built a life for themselves and for us. And, and being raised in an environment with two individuals who were so capable, it was very frustrating for them to have a daughter. I had a very hard time from a young age. Uh, my relationships were, were difficult. I had a difficult time at school, interacting um, with other friends. I've early, early on had a lot of insecurity, a lot of doubt. Um, I started lying at a young age. I, I just, I, I you know, there is, there's a lot of different, um, for me, having been in recovery for as long as I've been, I, I know that there's a lot of other factors now that influenced a lot of these things. I didn't know any of this for a long time. And the gift of being in recovery is getting to learn so much over the years about influencing factors that contributed to who I am today. 
uh, whether that contributed to my being a food addict is irrelevant. The bottom line is, is that from a young age, I exhibited really um, symptom, like classic symptoms of an alcoholic personality. I come by it honestly. I mean, I, I my addiction is just strewn through my family. And I believe it, uh, it being a very, very, very serious malady. I'm grateful to a day at a time have a solution where I can live and uh, operate uh, without having to be owned by it. But in my early years, you know, I, I don't remember the food really did not take off for me until I was in eighth or eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, honestly, before that it was just all symptomatic things. Just two was a, you know, three was a crowd, just always trying to please people wanting to be loved, wanting to be accepted, really didn't have a lot of sense of myself. It's just my, all of my sense of well-being came from the outside in and I was clamoring for it. And so academics, not so important. Friendships, very important. Just trying to find that place where I belonged. We moved around a lot from when I was in my youth, which may have contributed to it. Moved from the West East Coast to the West Coast to the Midwest. A lot of movement before I was in fourth grade. And when I hit fourth grade and we moved to the Midwest, which I had family on the East Coast, family on the West Coast and Midwest, we didn't have anyone. And my parents, I think, were trying to get things established. They were working very hard. Things really began to escalate with my inability to kind of cope with life, I suppose, you know, just really struggling with social, social stuff. And, and when I was in about, I guess about seventh or eighth grade, I, the weight was beginning to, to show itself. And I went on my first diet and it was a slim fast diet. I will never forget it. It worked really well. And I remember, I will, I, it's like, this is so palpable to me. I can almost remember the experience where at going to school, people seemed to respond to me with a little, a little bit better, you know, when I had lost some people, I got some attention, right? I'd lost some weight at home though. I felt so much more accepted. I remember comments, so many positive comments coming my way when I had lost, it wasn't even a lot of weight, maybe 10 pounds or something. And I just, it was my first experience where thin is better. People like you better when you're thin. And, but of course we all know that diets don't work. Or if they do work, um, they typically only work once. At least that was the case for me because I tried that slim fast diet many, many more times and it never worked again. It just became a treat. And then I, you know, started other diets. I did, you know, the rotation diet, several other diets, whatever my mother had in the house. My mother still, whenever I go, she's that rotation diet still sitting on her counter. It's really interesting. We tried, I, I tried other diets, but I, it never really, never really quite worked for me again. Uh, and then I started working in a bakery and that was the end of it. I couldn't control myself one, one bit uh, in the bakery. I worked in the back room and that was when I got up to my high weight of 100, 190 pounds. Throughout this time, there was a lot of arguing, arguing in my home. There was a lot of frustration. I understand it today because as a parent, if I weren't in recovery, my daughter is figuring things out socially and is not a waif. I do not have a daughter who's a waif. It never has been. I was not a waif. And my husband can get very worried about my daughter and her eating. And um, I at one point was kind of getting worried, but then, you know, obviously I have a program that helps me navigate this and it can really let go, but my parents didn't have that. And I think my weight scared the devil out of them. And it wasn't only weight that was happening for me. It was 
you know, I, uh, I was getting mediocre grades. I was hanging out with people that maybe they would prefer to be not to be hanging out with. Um, I was beginning to, you know, fool around with liquor. There, you know, there was, uh, it, you know, I was exploring my sexual, you know, sexuality. I was there was all sorts of stuff happening, and I'm sure that they were just frightened. And the way that that their response to that fear was anger. And uh, so, you know, really, really pretty severe discipline. Um, you know, whether it was it, there was a lot going on, and. Um, when I first had my children, my father and I got into an argument about corporal punishment because they believe in it. And to this day, still believe in it. And we had to have agree to disagree, but there was you know, a strong, strong hand in my home. There was a strong, um, you know, um, uh, I was, I will say that I was grounded more <laughs> throughout my um, youth than I was ungrounded. And, and there was just a lot of tears and a lot of just constant, constant, fighting really, it was just, we just, we were not getting along. And I, and at this point I had, I had just discovered that my, my mother had been married before that my father wasn't my actual biological father. And so there at one point there was like this perfect storm that was happening right in my adolescence, 13, 14 years old. And, um, my way of coping was, um, you know, coming home from school, eating, eating again at dinner, after dinner was done, cleaning up the kitchen and continuing to eat. I had what was called a hole in my toe. I really didn't get full. Uh, at the same time, I, my pants did not appreciate what I was doing because I could not, my clothes were not fitting. And I, I was not a, um, a, really, a person who spent a lot of time on my makeup or my hair or my clothes, I wore the same jeans almost every day. I hated showering. I was really literally just trying to get by and people felt bad for me. I think I was one who created, I think people had pity because I just wasn't presenting all and I was always crying. I was in school crying. I was complaining about my family life. I was desperate. I was really, really not in a good place. I actually took pills twice when I was in high school. I, to this day, I, I didn't, take them with the intention that I wanted to die, but I took them out of desperation and out of fear because I didn't know what else to do. And thank you, God, that it did not turn into a death. I do, you know, have, again, having raised kids now, I know that that could have happened because I have, we, I, one of my son's friends in fifth grade, I think was re reacted very strongly and it turned into a death. And I often reflect back and think that could have happened. It didn't. And there were things that I, you know, had to work out in recovery after that. I had a lot of repercussions that that decision. It, it was an amends actually eventually occurred with my mom because of the pain it caused her. But, you know, and I, I had a lot of indiscretion at a young age, a lot of promiscuity in my youth, a lot of drinking. I was what one would consider a very troubled youth. I, I know that that would be the case today. And, you know, my, my parents didn't see that as, a, as, a, as something that needed to be, you know, at this day and age, you'd be at the doctors, you'd be at the therapist, you would be everywhere. And in, in our gener in my generation, it was stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. And, you know, you have it in you, you have it in you, you're, you know, you're a, you know, you're a, perfectly capable and you have the potential, stop it. And it, you know, we know that 
it didn't quite work, but it, in some ways, you know, it, it, it wasn't completely ineffective to be perfectly honest with you. So, so, you know, I, I moved along through, through high school, skimping along a lot of, a lot of, just a lot of mess. And my addiction was just screaming, just absolutely screaming in high school. A lot of my stories, high school and college, I moved, went off to college, you know, barely kind of scraping into college. There's a whole story there. I won't even share it because I don't want to take up any time, but just trust me that I basically like squeezed into college. Um, I did not graduate with a high grade point average. And I did, I went to college. I went to a very, very big college in the mid Midwest that uh, has a very, very high attrition rate. And it had it not been for the fact that I got accepted so very late and put into the international dorm with very studious people, I don't know that I would have lasted more than a year either. But I had a, a, a pretty incredible group of people surrounding me in my in my early years of college. And one of the first things that happened is that I was placed with this roommate who, to this day, I, I think of as just a very special person. She just uh, she just liked me right away. She's this tall, blonde, beautiful woman. And put up with all my antics because I was not too far away from my hometown. And I started going to parties right away with all the same people I left from my hometown and leaving late at night, coming back early in the morning. And she said to me one day, I, I had gone to the community bathroom and I, I had just binged and purged. And I came back from the bathroom. And she said to me, you know, if you're throwing up, you are going to ruin your teeth. And it was such a simple statement. And it scared the living daylights out of me because if there is one thing I've been told most of my life is I had a beautiful smile and beautiful eyes and I did not want to ruin my teeth. And so I was like, why? I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't know bulimia could like do anything really to you. I just, I was so young. I'm infallible, right? Like nothing's going to really hurt me. And I started reading about it and it scared me what bulimia could do to a person's throat. I think I have, frankly, I think it did its damage because I do think there's stuff going, there is stuff going on in my throat to this day, but <clears throat> I, it didn't, it didn't work. It wasn't like I could read all this stuff and it just scared me out of it. At that time, it had taken off on a life of its own. So college was just another, you know, episode of just mess, a complete, utter mess, bad decisions. I lost roommates because of the food. I, um, that, that one, I had that one for two years, but after her, I couldn't keep a roommate for the life of me. There was one roommate who said, Oh, eat anything you want or, or that I bring home from the weekends. It's, it's all, all, everything here is communal. And that didn't last for long because at one point I came in and I opened up the refrigerator and all her food was labeled. Do not eat, do not eat, do not eat. This, this addiction is so humiliating. It really, really is because did I want to be doing that? No. Is that the person I wanted to be? No. I went through most of my youth until I got here being the person I did not want to be. And I did not know how to be anybody else. And it was awful. So after college, I moved away. I moved actually to New York City. And while I was in New York City, my life continued to kind of just continue to be messy in a whole new way. And uh, I was in a situation where I was away from home. I was in New York. I was living with this individual who I thought might be my life partner, but yet I couldn't be in a relationship because I was too jealous of every single thing that this individual did. You could even have a dream. And if the dream didn't include me, then life was over. And the amount of pressure I put on him and we ended up not 
working out. And so he was, he was a chef. So he worked at nights. I worked during the day. And when he was working, I was binging and I, 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 I just didn't know what to do. And I was trying to maintain a job. I'd go into work. Everybody was my therapist. And I'm, and I do mean that if you came across my path, you were going to hear my life. I am not a person who has a lot of discretion. It is weird on, I wear it on my arm. If you call me, I will tell you what's going on. And it's, I, I'm a little bit better today. I have a little bit more discretion, but mostly not. I'm not that super private. And I, like, there's just no one who just, I, I just can't believe how many people, how many, I had so many mommies and daddies around me. Most of my friends were 20 years older. I didn't have many friends my age whatsoever. I just had, everybody I dated was older. Everyone that I spent time with was older. All my friends were much older. And, and I just was surrounded myself that way. And yet I just was a mess and trying to live on my own. I couldn't make it through a weekend without binging and purging and showing up the next day a mess. And what happened is that I decided to call for help and I wasn't willing to go to a rehab, which was recommended. So instead I was recommended to a 12 step program. And this was the beginning of my journey uh, to, that introduced me to the fact that there were 12 steps. I had been familiar with 12 steps from my youth. I had several, I had friends who were going to AA programs. I had friends who were going to Al-Anon. I wasn't unfamiliar with, with, this, with AA or with OA and I'd actually gone to AA as well. Um, by this time I was still drinking. So I was going to AA and, um, and other, other um, 12 step programs, but I wasn't getting a sense of necessarily um, what to do with all this information. And then as my world was unwinding here, I decided to move back to the Midwest. And when I got to the Midwest, um, I started continuing to go to 12-step meetings. And I found a group of people that were heavily influenced by the Boston area and uh, individuals who called themselves food addicts, which I had never heard that language before. And I started listening and I started reflecting and I've started you know, at the time I was going to therapy and the therapist said to me that until I was willing to be an honest individual, I may as well not come back to therapy. Um, and that I might want to really, really think about what, what my recovery program is telling me. I'd never been, had anyone so honest with me. Uh, and I'm so grateful to this day that she said that to me. And I, I found recovery slowly, but surely I was willing to begin to accept my powerlessness to accept myself as a food addict. And I've now been in this recovery program for a lot of years and it has absolutely allowed me to grow up and learn how to live in recovery without having to use anything uh, to move through my life. These 12 steps have been and continue to be my lifeline and help me to navigate through life. One of the things I said when I got absent, I said, I just wanna grow old gracefully. I know there's so much life ahead of me and I still know there's so much life ahead of me. And I just want to be able to do that. I want to move through life without being upended every time something happens. And, you know, in recovery, I, I learned how to wear a seatbelt. I learned how to have, be in relationship with people. I was just sharing with someone. I learned through service in this program that I was a defensive person. I had no idea. I had no idea until I was in doing service and it was coming up over and over again. I always thought I was easygoing. I accepted everything. No, I was defensive and I was afraid. And I got to learn how to work that out in service and bring that into the real world. And where I'm, you know, currently I, I, I have a professional job. I also, you know, learned 
for me, recovery is so much about being in relationship with other people. I always referred to myself as being in relationship with food. And I learned quickly that no, food is nutrition. And I ask God for help all the time to think of food that way because it's really only there to allow me to be nourished so I can operate in the world. And it's not really meant for anything, anything different. It took on a whole nother life of its own for me, but I'm in relationship with people today and it's very special and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of mindfulness and it takes a lot of attention and it takes a lot of God. And when I came in, I, you know, I, my only experience of God was, you know, what I had when I was growing up, which was limited. I was fearful of becoming a fanatic. I was fearful of how to believe. I was fearful of what it meant to have a higher power. And that's something that over the years has really evolved for me. And I do have a very strong faith today. It's, 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 it's not based in religion, but it's very spiritual and it's very much rooted in principles. And this, everything I do in my program, I call my speed bumps, every tool, um, every, everything I learn here allows me to live that life that's rooted in honesty. And if you were to ask me one word that I could apply, or if I felt like I could apply one word to God, I, I would probably say for me, it's honesty, followed quickly by love and service. But I, you know, I, I'm grateful for the simplicity and the patience that people had for me and have encouraged me to have for myself uh, in this journey here, because being a human being is, it's not easy. And so much of the journey in recovery for me is about accepting my and learning about the human condition so that I can continue just to keep not eating a day at a time, not hurting myself and God forbid, not hurting other people. Because when I'm eating, I really hurt other people. I burden other people with my, my worries. My, my family was so worried about me all the time. And I have, you know, today, I think I'm kind of the stronger one and I, people are coming to come into me more. There's so much disruption because for 20 some odd years, I've been stable, doing the same thing, using the same solution, having the same gift of learning to listen and not give advice. And it, what we get is just, it's, it's outrageous really. And, you know, in recovery, I, I did have children. I'm raising children. I'm learning how to be in a marriage. Just this morning, someone said to me, I don't really know that I know how to love. I said, I really get that. Like that, ha that has come for me over time. And I feel like I'm, I'm in a place today where I'm learning really how to love and how to be kind. And for me, love and kindness are kind of hand in hand. And I was not kind in my marriage for a long time. In fact, one might even say I was abusive and that's, uh, you know, that's not where I am today in my marriage, which is a miracle. I'm so grateful for the power of prayer, for being willing to um, try on a, a different way in interacting with my partner. And, you know, life just continues to, to move along here. And today I, you know, I, I don't really do anything much differently today than I, than I did when I first came in 20, uh, some, some many, many years ago. I, I'm still taking my quiet time. I still go to three meetings a week. I still do service. I was just thinking, I was so grateful for this opportunity to do service today. And there's a couple more opportunities next week. It's just, I, I just get what I need at the time that I needed. And it's a privilege. You know, every, everything that I, I, I get to do here is a privilege. So it's been a good journey here in recovery. I'm so 
uh, thank you for listening. And I'm going to close now with a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.